Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. You know, one of the conversations I regularly have with church leaders like you is about finding the right people for their team. I'm constantly asked, do you know any great youth people, any great worship people, any great executive pastors, senior pastors, kids pastors? You get the idea. You probably have had similar conversations as well. That's why I want to introduce you to my friends, Matt Steen and Todd Rhodes. They're the co-founders of an organization called Chemistry Staffing. Chemistry is focused on helping churches like yours find healthy, long-term fits for their ministry positions. They work with churches of all sizes, small up to very, very large, to develop a deep understanding of your church's theology and culture and unique personality and help you find the person with the skills and ability to lead a healthy ministry for the next 5, 10 years, long or longer. If you're looking for your next ministry team at Make Chemistry Staffing really is who you should talk about. They'll help you find a long-term healthy fit. And with all the craziness that's gone on in 2020, they know that many churches are beginning to ask some tough questions about their kind of current staff team makeup and really trying to figure out who would be adjusting beyond this. So Chemistry has created... Uh, an incredibly helpful tool that they're sharing with unseminary listeners called Chemistry Staffing's Restructuring Playbook. It's it's designed to help you and your team develop clarity around where you uh, really should be focusing your team and resources as you look into the future. You can download it here, chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary. And while you're there, book a time for a free 30-minute consult about your next staff hire. Again, that's chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary. And while you're there, book a free 30-minute consult about your next staff hire. All right, let's jump in with today's episode. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in. Uh, super honored that you put us in your earbuds today. And you're going to be rewarded for that. You know, every week on the show, what we try to do is bring you churches that are making a difference, that are doing something unique, and to kind of open up that uh, that story, both for inspiration and then hopefully a few kind of tips and tactics along the way. And today is going to be no exception. Super excited to have Mark Geisbauer with us. Uh, he's from a church called The Chapel. Uh, it's a 30-year-old or over 30-year-old church. Uh, they've got three locations near Lake Erie. So I'm Canadian. I'm on the other side of Lake Erie. Uh, super excited to have you on the show today, Mark. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor to be here. Oh, I'm super excited to to dig in. Why don't we start with kind of give us a sense of the story. Tell us a little bit about the church, a bit of the history, and then your role, kind of how you fit into all of that. Yeah, uh, happy to. So yeah, the chapel was started um, 34 years ago by our lead pastor, our founding pastor, Bill Schroeder, and his wife, Darlene, actually in a church, ba- in, in their home's basement. Um, just a small group that then continued to grow and grow, and God continued to bless them and added more people. And they moved from building to building to building as they continued to outgrow where they were. And um, yeah, and so, you know, we started off as a small church, all of a sudden becoming a bigger church where pre COVID we had about 2,800 uh, people mm-hmm. weekly attending um, between our three campuses. And so, yeah, so two, seven years ago, we added our second campus in Norwalk, Ohio. And then just recently, we added our Port Clinton third campus. And um, yeah, the church brought me in about five years ago to help us kind of restructure a little bit of how. 
um, we were doing things because we were still a lot of operating as a small church, um, but we weren't anymore. And so trying to bridge that gap um, was our goal. And um, in the meantime, too, we've had uh, just before I came on board a leadership change. So um, our founding pastor retired. And actually, we have a co-leadership structure, which is probably a little bit unusual. Um, and mm-hmm. I'll be honest, um, as we were leaving the um, at the time, I was just an attendee at the church. But as I was leaving and I was driving home with my car, um, in my car with my wife, and I said, "Ooh, I don't think that's ever going to work. Um, <laughs> but now being in the role and getting to work with these guys, they're both phenomenal leaders and people, and mm-hmm. they complement each other so well. They're best friends themselves, which makes it really mm-hmm. easy. Um, truly has set us up for success in, in, in the church and has worked really well for us in our structure. But Again, I mean, we were um, challenged by just kind of growing naturally, you know, a very um, friendly environment where people want to feel welcomed. Um, But at the same time, we realized in order for us to continue to grow, for God to continue to be able to allow us to add more people, it just needed a little bit more structure. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. The thing I'm, I'm looking forward to is to kind of hear. So, tell me about your specific background. Kind of your give us kind of your story. How did you, how do you intersect with the church? You're going to the church, but now you're executive pastor. Give us kind of a little bit of that story. Yeah, um, it is also a little bit of an unusual story that you don't always hear from people in my role. So, I get to serve here as the executive pastor, um, overseeing all of our buildings, communication, uh, technology, um, IT. Um, human resources, finances, all those kind of responsibilities. But my background is actually in professional sports and soccer most specifically. Really? Uh, I grew up in Germany um, and I was born and raised there. My parents still live there and um, had the chance to go to Brazil out of all places when I was 14 to become part of an academy team to uh, become a professional soccer player. And um, I thought that's where God was leading me. Um, that's what his plan was. Um, as I turned around like the age of 1920, I realized, hey, actually, it's much more fun standing there with a coffee in my hand, telling the guys what to do instead of actually running myself. And so um, that's when the point when I kind of transitioned more into the business side um, and then ended up running actually a couple of uh, professional soccer teams. I was out in Salem, Oregon for a while and then ultimately being recruited to Cleveland. Um, where then um, I was able to run the professional team in Cleveland for a number of years. We also ran it as a ministry. Um, And then, you know, um, God ultimately then led me to the church as an attendee because my wife is from Sandusky. Um, Mm. And then I became an elder. And then when they were looking to fill the role of executive pastor, um, you know, God just opened the door for us to to be here and to truly find our church home in a a great environment to work in. Wow, that's cool. That's interesting. That's amazing. That's actually kind of an interesting story. I don't know that I've run. You're right. I don't know that I've run into anyone who was kind of on the road to professional soccerism, and then you know is leading today. What a but what a cool background you know to 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 bring to this, uh, you know to this ministry. Now, I would imagine um, as a church goes through uh, the kind of transition and growth that that you have. Um, that that you can kind of experience some tension having lived through those you know those kind of key growth metrics as you go you know up and over two thousand uh, when you kind of describe some of the tensions that you felt that your church has felt through that process how would you describe you know some of those problems yeah um, and 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 those you know we all still have tensions but especially when I started. 
um, I, mm. I realized very quickly that there really wasn't any structure around what we were doing, especially when he came to mm. our staff. Um, even with two campuses at the time, a lot of times we were just still winging um, weekend services and we just made them happen. But there was never really a, a process in place or a system in place or documentation in place. So a lot of times when I started meeting with staff here at first, um, it was kind of, hey, you know, a lot of times there were, people didn't even know who they were reporting to or what their real mm. job description looked like and what were the parameters and what was expected of them. Um, a lot of times we ran into just some communication issues where people just didn't even know, um, you know, what was happening. So we were announcing something on a Sunday morning and, you know, about a new Christmas catalog where people could give during the Christmas times for partnering ministries and our finance team would sit there thinking, Oh, I, I did not know that, um, you know, and okay. so um, yeah, yeah. a lot of those things that we've come in and, and not because anything was done wrong or bad, no. um, but it was right. just not set up that way in order for us to continue to adjust to the growth that we were seeing and that God blessed us with. Okay, so this is a really common problem. There's a lot of executive. So on seminary, I love executive pastors. We really like to speak to executive pastors in those issues. Um, and I think there's a lot of executive pastors that are listening in that are thinking, man, that sounds like me. We're, you know, our church ha- feels like it's not as structured as it should be. Help us kind of walk through what, what are some of the steps that you've taken to try to help um, you know, bring some more structure to kind of add structure uh, you know, to the church over these years? Yeah, thank you. Um, I think the first thing we did is truly address the communication issue, Um, especially as fast Mm -hmm. as you're growing as a church, the more you need to communicate and communicate clearly and effectively. And so that's one of the first things that we really try to address. Um, You know, so we're using Slack as our main communication tool that we introduced um, to our staff just to help them to be informed and to know what was going on and to be able to respond quickly to questions. Um, we also, um, you know, one thing that I do is, is just uh, weekly check-ins, you know, um, I did not want to go into a situation where, um, we were making decisions and then nobody knew. So at the end of every meeting right now, we're asking the question of, okay, what have we actually decided in this meeting? We're asking the question Mm. about, okay, when do we want to get this done by and who is responsible for driving this? And then really asking the final question of who else needs to know what we've just decided, right? And so hmm. making sure that there is a process in place at the end of our meetings, I think has helped us to to put those things into place and then making sure that that happens. Um, the mm-hmm. other thing that we didn't want to lose in this transition as we're becoming, you know, or we're becoming more, let's call it corporate, um, you know, as mm-hmm. a church trying to put some structures in place, we also didn't want to lose that personal touch, right? And yeah. so anybody that's in the executive pastor role knows, um, you know, that it's always a balance between, you want to put things into place, but you don't want to lose that personal touch. And so making sure mm-hmm. that we still made that a priority. So still making sure that I try to have weekly touch bases with my staff, um, you mm-hmm. know, just not only talking to them about work, but also talking to them about their family. Because when we become too fast into one area, you know, kind of the pendulum swings and people miss then what they had. And so helping changing mm-hmm. that culture step by step um, has truly been our, our biggest approach. Um, you know, we try to um, find different ways. One thing we've learned, especially as we grew is, you know, we probably have to communicate something three or four times um, in different ways and means until people actually realize what you're sharing with them. And so, um, you know, so as we did that, we try to always think about how do we do that effectively? What kind Mm -hmm. of ways can we use to really reach and impact our people? And so one of the first things we just focused on was saying, making sure that everybody has the information that they needed. Mm. Yeah, that's very good. Now, I, I was going to ask you ask you to kind of unpack that a bit more. I think this is the tension that that many church leaders feel is, 
Um, we need to build structure to go further, to reach more people, to scale, to um, serve more people. Um, you know, you even see that in Acts, right? We have got to assign some people to serve the people. You know, we can't, uh, you know, we need to we need to come up with different functions. It's a, it's a normal part of grow, a growing ministry. Uh, but there does seem to be some church leaders that almost push back against that. They're like, gosh, we don't, we don't want to do that. You're, you're becoming too corporate. How have you balanced that out? Uh, maybe some mistakes you've made along the way, or what has worked well as you've tried to find that, you know, a good kind of common ground, adding structure, but not kind of letting the structure overtake the ministry. Yeah. Um, so that is still something that we even wrestle with every day still today, um, because that, I don't think this is ever a path where you finished. You know, I think this is always a tension that we live in. And so one thing that we have done um, and that worked well for us is actually using our senior leadership team and the people that are on it with different gifting to help us push each other and to, you know, kind of iron sharpens iron um, to help us make better decisions and, and to make sure that we have the structure in place, but also not lose that people, that care aspect of things. And so, you know, um, in our senior leadership team, our two lead pastors are in it. We have our missions pastor in it and a worship leader um, that, you know, she is kind of adding to it as well. And so between us, we just, we just openly talk about things. We are allowed to call each other out when we're um, too mm-hmm. strongly maybe leaning on our um, giftings and our biggest strengths, always our biggest weaknesses. And so we've talked about that very openly to say, hey, that is only the only way that is going to help us make the best decisions. And a lot of times mm-hmm. my go-to is, no, it's got to be structured. It's got to be organized. And then one of our lead pastors will say, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's not forget the people. And um, because we have that mutual respect, because I love who he is and I know his heart, it's easy for me to say, okay, yes, I got to take a step back. And vice versa, a lot of times when he's like, no, we can't do that. It's going to hurt somebody. It's not going to be the right thing. Um, he respects when I say, hey, no, we, we we have to push for this because, yes, it may be a loss in the short term, but, man, we're going to win in the long run because that's where we need to go and that's where we need to change our culture. And so working as a team is very important to us, um, having different people with different strengths on that team as well with different giftings, um, you know, to really give us the best outcome possible because ultimately we all care for the same thing. We want to see okay. God's kingdom being built. We want people um, to be able to be empowered to make a difference. And, you know, we want to be truly making an impact in uh, our communities and around the world as well. And so in order for us to do that, we need that open communication and a team approach to things. Okay, so you know, a strong focus on the communications piece, which is a you know a big uh, a big deal. Uh, you know, trying to build more structure, make sure the right people know the right things at the right time. Uh, is there another area that you've kind of attacked in the last couple of years that has also helped uh, y- you know create more structures, kind of bring uh, some more alignment together that has been particularly helpful for you as you've as you've grown? Yeah, there's been a couple actually. Um, so the, the other one um, that we focused on very immediately was just a need of a little bit more um, written documentation as well and making sure that we're protecting the church. Um, The approach that we've taken um, was to say, we don't want to be a policy-driven church. Um, As much Mm -hmm. as it's important to write things down and have them in place, we wanted to create guidelines, right? And we didn't want to create everything from um, you know, uh, a dog policy where, you know, uh, what do you do if a dog shows? So we said, hey, let's just focus on the core things that we need to control and then yeah. truly uh, make sure that that gives our staff, our volunteers, our church family kind of the framework within. Um, so we're protected. So there's clarity and people understand where we want to go as a church. And as long as they do that, um, you know, they feel empowered then to implement that. And so first we focused on our constitution and started to um, make some things easier just from an overall elder board 
um, perspective. And then we just focused on some of the core things that we felt were needed. So one of the things we did was a marriage policy, um, you know, just to kind of um, look at um, what marriage means, especially because we know culturally that's one thing that, um, you know, a lot of people are, um, you know, are, have questions about. And so we wanted to make sure that we allowed God's word to continue to stay God's word. And we wanted to be on his foundation. But as a church, we wanted to be a church where anybody could come and where people mm-hmm. could come to belong, believe, and then become. So we want to be a church mm-hmm. where people can come and belong and find a family and find relationships and are able to grow no matter where they are in life. Um, then mm-hmm. we want them to come and believe um, in, in Jesus and what he has done for them because we know that's the best decision they can make in their life. And then we want the Holy Spirit to help them become who God wants them to become. And so we mm-hmm. wrote them, all of our policies kind of thinking about that and how do we create space for people um, so they can feel welcome, so they can feel find a place to serve somewhere, maybe not necessarily leading others to Christ if they're not a believer themselves, but finding still a place mm-hmm. where they can serve. Um, we did other policies. We looked at facility usage because we wanted to be a church that was more open to the community and help people, um, you know, to come and find a place where they, um, you know, where is a blessing to the community uh, because we mm-hmm. feel like that's what God has entrusted us with. Um, you know, we saw we, we put things into place like whistleblower policies and intellectual property rights, record retention. We actually put a hiring procedure in place because in the past. Either we had too many cooks in the kitchen when it came to those decisions, or sometimes it was just somebody, you know, kind of making their own decisions without necessarily bringing others along. And so just trying to help people. And then, it, you know, and then after we had those guidelines in place, then it comes back to communication and saying, how do we implement that well so our people feel empowered? Um, the other thing we focused on was a lot on our staffing. Um, you know, um, we were a very church staff heavy um, church. Uh, because of that natural growth, you know, we just hired when we saw a need or when we saw an area that grew and, you know, but then things change and then it was never adjusted. And so we really focused on empowering our volunteers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've tried to give them ownership about specific projects that really can make a difference and allowing our volunteers to come in and have that ownership principle, uh, not just becoming consumers, but really making an impact um, you know, so right now we're working on our mortgage reduction, um, you know, and so we've empowered a team of volunteers that actually brought it to us to say, hey, we want to do something about this because we don't want to continue to pay a bank. We want to see this money go into ministry. And so they've ran with it. They've done videos. They have met and recorded. And, you know, and our role and my role is just to fuel their fire and to empower them to get their message out. Um, again, so it's it's really driven by them and helping them to do that instead of just continue to hire new and new people all the time. Yeah, that's very cool. I love that. Um, so much there. Now, uh, it wouldn't be 2020 if we didn't have a quick conversation about uh, kind of COVID and how that's impacted your church and how has, you know, some of this structure and, um, you know, kind of the, you know, the work that you've done leading up to that, how did that help you respond uh, to this year? And and is, you know, kind of where are you guys at in, in that whole process? I realize that could be a whole conversation of itself. Uh, we don't need it to make it that, but just kind of, you know, how, you know, how has that impacted uh, you or helped you in this this particular season? Yeah, I think um, anybody in leadership will, will know that this has probably been the most challenging year for all of us. 
um, trying to figure out what was happening and how do we adjust to it. Um, but again, I mean, we felt God was truly leading it. And I think having those structures and those policies and things in place and empowering our volunteers and communicating well and streamlining a lot of the things that we were doing and removing all that unclarity helped us, um, obviously, especially during the crisis where we had to pivot. Um, you know, we did not have an online uh, stream of our services beforehand. It's always something that we were looking at, but it never really made it high enough in a priority uh, list. Hey, to address we all it. were saying that. We were all like, well, maybe eventually. And then, exactly. Okay, now we're doing it. <laughs> um, but, you know, but then within one weekend, I remember we met one Monday as a senior leadership team and we we're like, oh, this COVID thing is going to blow over. It's going to be nothing. On Tuesday morning, we met again saying, oh, we maybe need to pay attention to this. And Tuesday afternoon, we said, OK, we're going to record three services for the next three weeks. So we have them in the can on Wednesday morning. So um, oh, it's wow. definitely something that we're never going to forget. But God was truly faithful in that for us as well. And so actually a person that we've been talking to um, for a number of years um, who lived out of town but was born up in our church um, was a videographer. And so we've always said, hey, if we ever go down this route, he would be a great guy to get. Um, Well, how God plays sometimes is the week that Corona hit here in Ohio um, was the week that he moved back with his wife. And so he was between jobs. um, And so he was truly able to help us make those differences and record those videos in a high level, um, you know, and so we've truly benefited from God's blessing. So even in that, um, you know, as much bad as we see, um, I just love to know that, man, God's even prepared us for that, to trying to help our people to continue to grow and to take their next steps in their faith. Hmm, that's really cool. Love that. That's, uh, that's really cool. Well, one of the things you mentioned earlier, you talked about partners. You talked about how you, you know, you want to kind of engage with other partners. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. When you think about partnering with other ministries, working together, how does your church do that? What is that? Uh, you know, how does that work? How are you kind of thinking about that? I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, we believe in partnership, and me personally, I'm I'm a networker by trade, so um, that just that just comes naturally to me, but. It's only because I've seen the difference it can make. And I know it doesn't usually come naturally until we try um, to truly focus on making this a priority because it's one of those things, like we said earlier, where, yeah, we're going to get to an online service eventually. Well, unless it was a priority, it didn't just never made it there. And so um, the same, I think, a lot of times is when it comes to partnerships. And so some ways that we do that um, is actually, um, so one of the things I love is that I'm part of a, one of the first things I wanted to get involved in was a network of executive pastors actually in Ohio, uh, around the Cleveland and Akron area that we have, that we meet on a regular basis. And even as we were trying to put some of those things into place, it gave me a great sounding board of people that have been in my role to say, hey, how are you doing this? Hey, can you share your constitution with me? Hey, what kind of policies do you have and how do you do that? And I try to make a point then at the same time to provide some of our information and the things that we've developed to say, hey, maybe somebody can use this going forward. And it truly helped us, saved us a lot of time because we didn't have to reinvent the wheel every time. But it also allowed us um, to, you know, to bless others. I mean, ultimately, I think a lot of times, unfortunately, ministry, we're so focused on ourselves and what we're doing. And that's not bad, but that's just reality, Um, you know. And so being able to see what others doing and learning from them and allowing to help them as well. That's that's where our heart is. That's where my heart has always been. Uh, another thing that really helped us in this whole partnership, and this is one of those examples that actually didn't end well, but I think that's always where we can learn our best lessons from is, so when it came to the topic of benevolence, 
um, here in our town, we realized that we had a lot of need. We're kind of a rural area. And so, you know, we found that a lot of people in our community were, if they needed help through benevolence, um, so if they had, you know, couldn't pay their rent or couldn't pay their utility bills or something like that, um, they would jump from church to church or some people would take advantage of the system as well. And they were going from one church to the next, to the next, to the next to see, hey, how can we do this? And we connected with other churches and said, well, how can we do that better? How can we come alongside and really bless our people that are in need, but also help to provide them with the information that we that we are each of us bring to the table and the expertise that we have? And so what we ended up doing is actually hiring a part time person um, kind of combined with different churches from our town to say, hey, we all help this person. Um, they're the expert. They that's all they do. So instead of us trying to dabble into it all a little bit, but not really knowing everything, really empowering one person to know and to do the research, and it helped us in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. it took a lot of our um, time off, um, you know, from people that were dealing with those cases before trying to make those decisions. But it also helped that person to truly kind of um, make that more effective, and it allowed uh, them to actually find other resources, government resources that they had um, available that none of us would know about, but because that person had the time to spend on one specific topic, um, truly to help them to find other resources as well that were available to them and truly make a difference. Um, You know, and so those are the kind of things I think that a lot of times when we look at partnership, um, we we miss out on those opportunities because we're afraid of going that step. Well, what if they make a bad decision? What if we do this? And, and I always try to remember that, man, we, you know, we, we can only go so far, but if we do it together, if we're bringing out different um, ideas, different people to the team, different opinions, in the long run, it's going to help us make better decisions and it's going to help us serve the people better. And I mean, you know, we're in the most important business trying to help people grow in their faith. And so, um, you know, we want to do that as best as possible with the best business practices and at the same time, continuing to love and care people uh, just like Jesus did. Yeah, that's very cool. I love that idea of like even sharing a staff member among multiple churches are kind of working together to attack an issue like poverty, which uh, is, you know, is obviously pervasive. And uh, man, that's so cool. I love that. What a great practical example for churches. Uh, And then, you know, ultimately, that's what that's what drives me to do on seminary is, you know, I, you know, 500 some odd episodes ago was like, I love just talking to church leaders and learning from them and, you know, getting a chance, you'd be amazed. Uh, you know, most, a lot of church leaders, you pick up the phone, whether it's the person across town or somebody across the country and say, Hey, I'd love to hear what you're doing on whatever. Um, you know, you'd be amazed. Most people say, sure. Yeah. I'll give you 20 minutes to kind of talk that through. And so, um, that's an encouragement for, for people who are listening in, uh, today. Well, when you look up over the horizon, when you kind of think to the future, uh, at the chapel, uh, what are some of the things that you guys are, are thinking about? What are, what are kind of the next steps in, you know, like you say, it's a continual process to kind of build structure in, to continue to provide the right support, to kind of support and fuel the growth. Um, you know, what, what what are you looking at kind of up over the horizon? What's next uh, for you? Yeah, we're, we're excited. Um, you know, for us as a church, we feel like, okay, we've now put the structure in place then to continue to allow God to do new things. And I think even during COVID, we've learned that as a church, we've grown really wide. I mean, you know, we have seven major building projects that I've completed over the last three years just to adjust to the growth that we continue to see. But even during COVID, we realized we want God to go deeper. And so actually our mission going forward over these next three years is that we really want to help people to relate, right? Um, Go deeper in their personal relationship. 
um, you know, moving away from that consumerism maybe at times to really owning the church? And what does that look like? How does that look like in relationships, in marriages? You know, I think we all have seen over COVID so many people struggling with that. And how does that look like? And also, what does that look like in their spiritual relationship, right? So with mm-hmm. Jesus themselves, and how can we get them deeper into the Bible and God's word? And how can we empower them to do these things um, so they truly are, are then becoming, you know, um, missionaries in the marketplace, you know, um, ambassadors mm-hmm. for Christ to do that. And so we want to encourage people to do that. We want to help them do that. And then something that we're working on right now, too, that I'm really excited about is actually a special um, thing where we want to encourage people to um, be generous, right, and live generously. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that we're doing um, is, as a church, um, rolling this out here soon, is actually a reverse gift card offering is what we call it. And mm-hmm. so what we're doing is um, we've had one um, generous donor that I've had a great relationship with and um, you know that loves generosity and that gift of giving. And so what we're doing is um, as people leave this um, one of the weekend services, uh, we're going to give everybody a $20 gift card to a local grocery store. Um, you know, and we tell them that instead of us, you come into us and letting us help them, we want you to be the light in our community. And so what we want to do is you want you to take that gift card and we want you to go and find a need, whatever God has placed on your heart, whatever he asks you to do, we want you to be faithful and to use that as an encouragement to bless somebody else. That could be if somebody's in line behind you at the grocery store, use it for that. If it's somebody... Um, you know, that um, you know that has a need, well, go and fill that need with that gift card. Or maybe it's you just going and buying groceries and God's given you the gift of baking and you um, bake a bunch of cookies and you make them and you distribute them into the community, into your neighbors and bless them. The only thing we're asking for is number one, just send us a quick email just to let us know how you used it. And the other thing is we don't want the church or you to get any credit for this. And so we're telling people, don't share it on social media. Don't say what you're doing, um, but truly just try to give God the the glory in all of that. And we believe that, that he's going to use that to really make an impact in our, in our community. The other part I love is, again, it comes back to the partnership principle, is we actually partnered with a church um, that is very different from us in each of our communities. And actually, in one, we have a couple of churches that got so excited about this that they wanted to partner. And so we had the chance to support them, envision them. And now it's not just our church doing it, but it's multiple churches in the community surprising people by God's love. And I think we all agree that especially during COVID and the fatigue that we've all experienced, well, what a great way to truly bless somebody in their time of need. Very cool. Love that. So much cool stuff going on. Uh, Mark, I really appreciate being on the show today. Anything else you want to share uh, as we kind of come to land the episode? Um, well, thanks again for the opportunity. Um, happy to share any resource, anything that we have developed. Like I said, we want to be an open book. We want to be a resource to others. So anything we can do to help others that are in similar roles, uh, love to connect, love to be able to share ideas. And like I said, anything that we've developed, we, we would love to share with others if that's a blessing, if that's an encouragement um, to, to anybody. That's perfect. So if people want to reach out and contact you, what's the best way? How can they follow up with the church and kind of get connected? Yeah, easiest way is actually just email me, uh, mark at thechapel.family. Um, that's also our website, thechapel.family, um, you know, with some resources in there. Yeah, just reach out to me. Happy to um, connect with anybody and I'm helping people take their next steps. That's great. Appreciate you being on the show today, Mark. Yeah, thanks so much, Rich, for having me. 
Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>